Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, home of the world's greatest artist, TLC, Gladys Knight, India Ari, Indigo Girls, and Hartsfield Atlanta Jackson Airport, the Falcons, and Clark Atlanta University. This is The Bright Side with Technicia, a daily show with real people with real experiences. And now, here's your host, Technicia. Welcome again to another episode of The Bright Side with Technicia. Today is April the 9th, 2020, and good afternoon to everyone. Glad to have you. Good evening, good morning, wherever you're tuning in from. Make sure you share the replay with someone of value. We love to spread the word around no matter what. I hope everybody's staying safe and sound. Let's not take this moment as a joke. Let's take it as a time to meditate, get ourselves together. If you're doing a home-based business, time to focus on that. Mental focus, self-positive talk. But here with me again, once again, is my friend, my dear friend, Steve Faith, and we have had him on many of times. He always comes and educates us on about the waste around the world, but we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on now, including the waste, too. But just to give you a recap of who he is, he directs the American State Litter for um, cards. You can follow him on Twitter, like the Facebook page. We'll make sure we give you that information very at the end, uh, which is cited by the Boston Globe and Travel and Leisure. Um, he has guested radio talk shows plenty of times. He's a talented government and politics evaluator and subcontract to help federal security clearance. He has moderated and presented at regional and national public service and performance conferences, a Phi Alpha Alpha Public Administration Honor Society member. And Steve's a native of Texas, but he resides in the Washington, D.C. metro area. So without further ado, I'll let him bring my friend Steve on. Steve. Thanks for tuning. We're able to keep doing this, even though we're going through all this terrible crisis. Mm-hmm. Can you hear my voice? I can hear you loud and clear, Steve. Okay. Uh, I'm going to test it one more time. Can you hear me now? <laughs> I can I can hear you now like Verizon. Go with this. Uh, okay. Thank you. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon. So good to have you on again. <laughs> I know you first had me on back in uh, 2015, so this uh, I've been on at least three or more times in five years, so thank you so much. Just so work. I can't believe it's been that. I, I just can't believe it's been that long, Steve, that we have known each other. <laughs> By the way, I was I drove through Atlanta really quick, quick, uh, I was in Atlanta very quickly around uh, the weekend after Christmas because uh, someone let me stop there and it was unexpected because I was so I was I went through there very quickly so I was there for just a few hours Saturday after Christmas and then I was on my way and I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to reach you then it was kind of uh, because uh, I know we said we would someday meet up. And I would figure during business hours, Monday through Friday, something like that. But uh, the invitation, I hope, is still out for me to do that. <laughs> Almost definitely. Whenever you stop through, 
I would definitely be glad to um, meet up with you. It's it just been so wonderful having these conversations with you and also just educating us mm-hmm. on what's actually going on around mm-hmm. our world. Um, so yes, see, ma'am. We always get talking about, talk about the little polluted city. So now mm-hmm. this coming year, and especially with Earth Day uh, coming around the corner very shortly on April the 22nd, what are some of the USA's? 15 biggest litter polluted cities and 10 biggest litter polluted states. Yeah. Uh, Thank you again. Um, The reason why I'm doing this uh, in two, two weeks from yesterday, it'll be on the 22nd, it'll be Earth Day. It'll be the 50th anniversary. And I want to talk about that because uh, it made a change in people's attitudes about how they looked at Earth and what was going on around them. And uh, this is still with us today. Uh, And I'm going to say something definitely about the COVID-19 virus because I found some more information, and it's kind of shocking, but it's not. Oh, yes. It's it's some. Yes, ma'am. I'm here. Can you hear me? Oh, no, go ahead. I can hear you. Uh Go right ahead. Thank you. Thank you. And I just want, I'm going to be interjecting things as I go along. But uh, to go back to cities, um, uh, back in 2018 when we last talked, I focused more on states because the, the, the title of my work says American State Litter Scorecard, the website being litterscorecard.com, L-I-T-T-E-R-S-C-O, let's see, L-I-T-T-E-R-S-C-O. C-O-R-E-C-A-R-D dot com. By the way, I had a slight allergy the last two or three days, so I kind of, prior, I think i let you know, if my voice doesn't come across good enough, that's part of the reason I have a sniffle. <laughs> but I think it's coming through. So anyway, I picked out uh, 10 state. Yes, ma'am. Oh, no, go ahead, Steve. I'm listening. Yes, ma'am. Uh, I picked out 10 states back in 2018, and prior to that, uh, I had rated states for certain conditions. And uh, I decided in 2018, I just picked out 10 states that uh, it was based on their population size, whereas previously I looked at states irregardless of population size that had severe public space littering and deaths and uh, high numbers of profiled litterers, and I could go, and I'll, I will define those as we go on, go on. And those 10 states, the largest being Texas, and I'm, um, I'm just reciting them out ahead. And then the other states included Pennsylvania, Georgia was one of the states, South Carolina, uh, I mentioned Pennsylvania, New Jersey was one of the states, Michigan was one of the states, Louisiana, which I'll be referring to, uh, was one of the states. Let's see. I had Indiana was one of the states. Um, And then I had some states in the, uh, I believe Kentucky was one of the states. And then the rest were all, and then Nevada was one of the states. And then finally, uh, there were some states just to the north of Texas and Louisiana, especially Oklahoma and Kansas. They had a huge increase in deaths from littering incidents. And when I say littering, we're not talking about tornadoes or storms. We're talking about people that threw solid waste or dumped it 
and then someone came in contact with with, with it accidentally, and it and the accident killed them. Wow, but but see, with that being said, why are they even in this condition at all? Excuse me, could you kindly repeat that? <laughs> yes, see, my question is because we got these litter polluted cities in these states. So why are they <laughs> really in these conditions? Is it just coming from human beings just doing whatever they want, Certainly. doing their polluted practice? Sure. Okay, thank you for reminding me. Now, I brought up state, and I'm in the course of picking out 15 cities that I consider uh, the most polluted, and they're based on their size. All these cities will be over 375,000 in population, and about four of the cities have been selected. And I had 28 cities that I looked at, and I got to whittle them down to 15. There's a good chance that hometown Atlanta may be on the list, a very good chance. I can safely say I believe this show may, be, uh, may have a connection to New York City. New York City is by far the biggest, most litter-polluted city in the United States. And I argue it's part of the reason why they had a lot of COVID-19 cases there is certain conditions there, and that, that will be discussed. And uh, another city that's very large, the second largest city, Los Angeles, is also on that list. And then um, good or bad, my hometown of Houston in Texas will be the third city. And, um, and then I'm, I'm on the process of working on about 10 other, 10 to 11 other cities, and it's very tough because I'm, it is, I'm really getting down to the wire on how I'm going to select these cities in terms of their, in other words, I have 28 cities. They all should be a, a, a terrible littered city, but I can only pick 15. So when I have this 15 down, keep in mind, that will be another uh, 13 cities that would also qualify. But I found when you rate cities, it's best to have a smaller list and emphasize a smaller uh, summary of cities. And then to answer your question about why they have these conditions, well, two reasons. And I put this out. Um, I have a master's thesis called do, do, do Mess With It, and it was published 16 years ago. It's out on the Internet. If you put in the words D-O and then M-E-S-S and then the word with and then it, it was the takeoff of a state slogan, which has since failed that particular state, it's called Texas. They used to have an anti-litter slogan there called Do, Don't Mess With Texas. It's still in effect, but its, it's uh, efficacy, its effectiveness has definitely dropped. It was effective the first so many years back in 86 when it came out, and other states followed suit. They all, for example, uh, Georgia had one, don't, um, don't litter the peach state. I don't have the exact slogan for Georgia. I forgot. I apologize. But it had to do with the peach state. It put it in there. And, uh, but these slogans have failed their states in recent years, and especially a state like Texas. And even New York State had one called Let's Pick It Up New York. And I guess what I wish to say is it's twofold. Number one, people cause the problem. They, they're very indifferent. Some people are very indifferent towards protecting the environment. They're very indifferent um, or, or they're uneducated or unaware that this waste litter and dumping 
uh, can have harmful effects, especially uh, on the outside. Have you noticed that, for example, on the COVID-19, everybody's cleaning up stores. They're sanitizing interiors of stores and hospitals and places where we shop. But right outside the door of these places, there's litter and trash all over the place. They're not, the litter and trash is not being removed, and yet the, the chances of getting sick from that are almost as, as great or greater than what you would get in, in the stores or hospitals, that, and no one is eradicating that. So I, I kind of think it's hypocritical when people saying, oh, we're, we're okay, but this stuff outside, uh, that, uh, when they have a COVID-19, they could catch it from this outdoor trash as much or, or because it, the droplets will go onto solid waste. So that's part of the problem. And then the other part is you have public officials. They're paid. They're required by law. Every state, every city has an anti-dumping, anti-litter ordinance. And, and what we call abatement, which is the removal of this. And it's supposed to be done an X amount of months or days in a timely manner, and there's a quality standard behind it in most jurisdictions. And they're just a lot of cities and states and, and counties too. They're failing to do their work. You and I are paying taxes for this being done. It's part of their salaries, and they're just looking the other way, and they don't care. And I guess the ultimate consequence is people must die, or they are dying from this. And what is so interesting is I have the uh, fatality rates, not just from the states, but from a local area. For example, Atlanta. Atlanta has, uh, two years ago, according to the U.S. Census, Atlanta had 465,230 people within the, its borders, within the city limits. And we're not talking Fulton County, just city of Atlanta. And during that same time period, um, approximately three or four people were killed, I will safely say three, from uh, a litter incident within the city of Atlanta, and the number was even greater for Fulton County in the state of Georgia. But people are dying either with contact from litter or having an accident, including uh, crashing a vehicle or bicycle, just they're hitting the litter or it's touching them and they die from this. So, and the National Highway Traffic Safety uh, Admin, they keep data on this and then some of it I'll get from the CDC, which of course is based in Atlanta. So it's a combination. The public is somewhat indifferent and of course public officials who are paid to do the job, they're, they're a bit indifferent and, and, or they just don't care and it's a real shame. Uh, well, you know what really gets me is that because we know that it's required by law to prevent all this this pollution, then we got the litter removal. But of course, we know that we got a few states and cities that act they act lazy. They they do a terrible job in cleaning up. They don't want to do right. Um, but I was thinking of my job. What we have started doing, we use paper straws we use as much paper as possible we don't even we don't even really give you a straw so to keep everything down because nine times out of ten when you serve a straw at the table no one's going to use it anyhow so i just let you ask even if you have a cocktail i'll let you ask hey i need a straw okay i'll give it to you because people are just wasting and of course they said they want to look out for the turtles and everything um 
So, see, with that being said, what are some of the harms of littering dumping? Um, can we include, like, a breed of diseases like the coronavirus, which, mm-hmm. which we know started China by reckless human practices? So let's talk a little mm-hmm. bit about that. The harms. Sure. Well, you know, I'll quickly say something about where it started. According to a lot of reports, now some has some of this has been disputed. If you watch the mass media enough in the last few days, some are saying the virus. <laughs> there's one report saying the virus started in the United States. I really doubt it, because if it did, I uh, knowing that this is a deadly deadly one, uh, uh, I think that we would have acted on it sooner. Uh, supposedly. It uh, started with the sale. Uh, people, keep in mind, China is a country. A lot of our problems right now, we have a dependency on China, and it's our dependency on China for too many things, from elections and food and goods that, and services we buy. Uh, uh, it is a communist country, um, and there's no transparency. News reports can be distorted. Uh, people can lose their lives there, and even people in China don't even know about it. So according to the reports, according to people that I consider credible and media that I consider credible, is that there was people, um, uh, they have open-air markets, just like you have flea markets. <laughs> I use that phrase because fleas breed diseases, uh, too, from litter and, and solid waste. But um, there were open-air markets where people could buy anything, food, vegetables, fruits, um, seafood, etc. And you, there was no oversight. There's no inspection. There's no government uh, wholesomeness or these places aren't checked out to prevent uh, the sale of uh, foodstuffs or meats uh, that could harm, uh, that are inappropriate for human consumption. And by the way, I want to interject so far from what we know, the COVID-19 only affects humans. It does not affect animals. However, animals such as cats have been tested with the virus, but it does not affect their essential functions. They function anyway. They'll carry the virus. It's only humans where the COVID-19 seems to cause harmful uh, situations. Anyway, long story short. Yes, ma'am. I said, I'm so glad you said that, Steve. I've been sending a few cats in my backyard, and I was telling my husband, I was just making a little joke, um, a light joke. I said, ooh, they probably have the corona. <laughs> and now that you said that, they actually could have the coronavirus because they walked so perfectly back there, and you wouldn't even know it. You're very correct. And, by the way, again, someone else did these tests on various animals. They noticed cats so far. I didn't hear, hear anything about dogs, but cats have been tested with it, but it has not affected their uh, bodily functions. It did, they didn't, um, they, there was no demising of the animals or cats from this. However, uh, to get back to China, they were selling diseased, uh, basically it was animal food or disease. They had a, they had a prior disease, <laughs> sadly. Were, the, the food was being deteriorating, and supposedly the creation of this virus started with that. It was sold over the counter, diseased animal meats with disease waste. 
and then people visiting the markets, some of them were travelers or visitors from other cities in China or other countries, and they took this virus to their various destinations. So it became a worldwide pandemic, and China, even if they knew, well, number one, I'm sure they knew about it, and they, they were just indifferent. And, and I, I uh, well, I will make this comment about China right now. If there's a country, you know, back in 2001, we had Bin Laden, and he was singled out for masterminding um, the World Trade Center and bombings and things like that. Well, if there's a mastermind right now, in my view, and I've heard this from members of Congress, too. They've said this, so I'm just repeating what they said. If there's a person out there that could be a terrorist, considered a terrorist for allowing so many people in the world to die and just allowing it to happen, and, and by the way, when you see this person, they're always smiling. It's the premier Xing of China. That would be the single person. I'm, I am aware of people right now. They would like to, uh, oh, God, and CIA and FBI, please forgive me, but they'd like to take him out right now. They figure he's already has a death sentence, and he needs, uh, as a public official, he needs to be, quote, taken out. Now, I don't believe in killing people, but if there's somebody that really needs to answer for this, it would be that one person, because they were the one that signed off on what China's doing. Uh, that So... I hate to say that, but anybody going out there that's praising China or likes this guy, I feel sorry for that kind of individual because they should feel just the opposite. But uh, anyway, this virus transmitted uh, throughout the United States from travelers. And then I found out for the east, eastern seaboard, uh, there were visitors to places in Europe. It first caught on in various European countries, especially a strain of COVID-19 that reached uh, Italy. And those, there were visitors to Italy that then went back to New York City or East Coast destinations like Miami and New York City, Baltimore and Philadelphia, and they brought the COVID with them. And then within a short amount of time, there were cases found. But the Italian strain was a very it, for, for a small amount of people affected, it, it was very lethal. It was like 75% death rate. That is, if you had three or four people, three of those people were going to die from it, and one would survive. Just really lethal. And uh, please ask me another question in relation to it. I'm just saying that this solid waste can breed diseases, and these animal remains sold in Wuhan was a solid waste, and it was dumped, but people were selling it, for consumption, and it developed this COVID-19 that killed people in the end. Well, with that being said, because I'm going to get to another coronavirus question, so what are some encouraging good green behaviors that you can implement for citizens to learn to actually put into practice? I apologize. Could you kindly repeat your question again? <laughs> I had to I sure can, Steve. That's no problem. Um, what are some some things that you can probably encourage as far as good green behaviors for citizens to learn and actually put into practice? Oh, okay. Well, thank you. Yes, ma'am. Now, what I'm bringing up is more things outside of a business or what you see out. We, we define, I've defined the public 
the experts, they, de they define a public space as public property, such as a sidewalk, a street, a road, a highway, a park, a waterway, a trail. These are things that are tax-paid places, and, and you want to keep them clean. And so, um, well, number one, I encourage people not to throw or dump their waste. And, and we're seeing that animal waste create these kind of viruses that kill people. And uh, I have a list right here of other types of, um, for example, when you throw these uh, wastes outside, whether they're made of food or plant or animals, they can uh, breed rodents and uh, flies. We have the Zika that was created. Um, if you're smoking cigarettes, cigarettes are by far the number one most littered item in the world. And um, regarding cigarettes, they, um, it could take 10 or more years for a cigarette to decompose, and they, um, they, uh, they leach out heavy metals and carbon dioxide and other things that uh, uh, animals such as birds or fish will eat these cigarette filters. And then there have been people who have actually bought processed bird, pro processed um, uh, bird-like meat or fish, and they weren't properly processed. And this is here in the United States. And they found pieces of cigarette filters in these birds. I mean, people are about ready to eat this. <laughs> and they were like inspected as, oh, yeah, you're good to go. And then they find the cigarette butts or filters in them. So this is what has happened, is that we have people uh, not, not processing the things right. So that's one thing. The other thing is just, you know, I mentioned people not throwing their waste on these public spaces to respect the public spaces. And um, as I mentioned earlier, we need public officials. Uh, we pay taxes for them to go out and pick, pick things up and remove the waste from the properties. And, you know, one thing we have learned, we learned about hand washing, that when you touch waste of any kind, you should wash your hands. Now, I will say that that has been a good thing because it is, uh, there were previous flus, people didn't wash their hands and people um, were harmed. Um, so it's, it seems like common sense, but you have to reiterate common sense to people about not throwing waste. Uh, that's what I consider a good green behavior. And then the other right. comment, and when I was rating cities, I looked at their recycling rates, which is basically if you have something don't toss it if you can reuse it and, and, and re, or repurpose it. That's the word now. Uh, a second or third time, that's a way to go because uh, it prevents waste from being dumped in the first place. And also, there's so many things out there you could repurpose. Like I have pieces of paper here in front of me. I reuse them. I reuse my pens and pencils. I, uh, there are things I'll buy. Uh, plastic containers, food containers. I re I wash them uh, with hot hot water, but they can be reusable. If, I mean, I mean, but within reason. I mean, you if you can reuse items and not generate waste, that's a good thing, because we generate too much waste. And by the way, um, I know I keep bringing up hometown Atlanta, but Atlanta, uh, or not, a, not as much Atlanta, but the whole state of Georgia, that's a top state on the East Coast for generating waste 
and for landfilling waste. And a lot of landfill waste that comes through Georgia comes from states to its north. Georgia and Alabama are recipients of uh, garbage and waste from places such as New York and Philadelphia and some other up east cities. They train load it south and then they dump them in landfills and it's not recycled whatsoever. Well, I think what they're doing now, because you got waste and recycling trade group, um, they're issuing coronavirus guidance for worker safety. And as you said, make sure that you properly wash your hands, which that should have already been a thing of most people. Because what now we got more than probably 120,000 people who are affected worldwide. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, we don't hear about we don't hear updates about who, who's actually recovering, but. From what I read, like the Solid Waste North America and the National Waste and Recycling Association um, told Waste Dive they are tracking the issue. They have released guidance, you know, so they're trying to come together um, mm-hmm. and and deviate this situation that we have actually going on. So, like you said, a lot of this issue is coming from the waste people. We have to be a lot cleaner. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I think the, the amount of household waste is actually rising up now, too, Steve. You know, the last time a lot of Americans died from something like this was about 100 years ago. There was a what they call the Spanish flu. And so interesting oh, wow. is that the flu actually – yes, ma'am, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Steve. I was in agreement with you. Yeah, this is very interesting. Back in 1918, we were at World War One, and there was, uh, and I, I, I did some research, and I watched a, I watched a, uh, a um, presentation just the other day about this. There was a army base in Kansas where army soldiers they were training to go to Europe for war, because when we fought World War One, we sent Woodrow Wilson was the president at the time, and he, we sent our soldiers to Europe. It was a European-based war. There was literally no action here in the United States at the time. But they were burning manure and, and animal waste at this army base, and it, it billowed into these thick smokes. And it would be just like burning the waste in mass quantities of what happened in Wahoo, China. Same kind of waste. And it burned. And people were getting sick. The next day, they were on a ship to uh, places in Europe to fight. And they took the virus with them. And it, it spread all over Europe, and especially in Spain. And it killed a lot of people. It did kill some people in America, but it really killed people in Europe. And I see the analogy between the Spanish flu epidemic of, of uh, of 1918 and this one of 2020, literally 100 years apart, is we had animal waste improperly disposed or improperly uh, incinerated, and it led to uh, the death of quite a few uh, millions of people. This one hasn't killed millions yet. It's killed only a, a few hundred thousand, I think, but not millions. But that one killed millions of people. But there is this correlation and um, and what else did you wish me to an, ask, uh, answer on this question, please? <laughs> um, it was just um, in the fact of, you know, you have trash collectors 
understand how overwhelming it is because now um, the amount of household waste is rising up continuously. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and you wanted me, yes, ma'am. Yeah, that's basically what I was mentioning about the fact that the the trash, even the guys out here, the garbage truckers, are drastically saying they're saying that drastically household waste, and I guess people are making more calls than ever for increased services. And and we know that they're probably on a short term basis right now because of this virus going around. Not too many people are are working, so mm-hmm. this has become an actual nightmare. And if we lose the garbage truckers, Steve, then we know how that's going to end up turning up. I mean, waste is going to be everywhere. Nobody's collecting your garbage. Well, you know, it's funny you brought that up because um, I noticed, and it's not just with Atlanta, but most major cities, not only, but not only they're not picking up, there's this attitude right now of the public and the public officials they feel like they're invincible, that, you know, we can just behave whatever we like and, you know, don't worry. You know, you know, if the garbage piles up and you get sick from it or die, don't worry. You know, it didn't happen to me because have you noticed the people that, that are the leaders? They're not the ones dying, but it, it's the voters. It's the constituents. It's the taxpayers. They're the ones that are paying their salary. Now, I will say this. Some of the voters and taxpayers, they create the problem, but they're the ones that will be harmed first. And then you have people cozying up as leaders, not as harmed. And the other thing I wish to say is recycling rates or the ability for people to uh, reuse their items and not waste it, those rates have actually gone down. For example, I've noticed in processing these various cities. Atlanta, you have, uh, the city website does not publish their current recycling rate. And Atlanta's not on, alone, I'll mention some others, but the last time Atlanta, the city of Atlanta even admitted that they recycled, recycled stuff and published it with a rate was over 10 years ago. And then there's a um, organization that uh, my friend Chaz Miller, his first name is C-H-A-Z-M-I-L-L-E-R, who, uh, who ran the, the Association of Recycling Officials. He's a great guy. He's one of my mentors. His stuff can be found on the Internet. But he, he authored an article, and that the last time that Atlanta even publicized what it was recycling and taking in was, uh, was about seven years ago. So the data that's available to the public, to citizens in Atlanta, is several years old and probably antiquated. And, uh, the, for example, Atlanta collects 15,000 15, tons of recycled material, but only a small percentage is considered recyclable. So they have to landfill a lot of that stuff. And then you have a special company called Pratt Recycling. The city doesn't really do the recycling. It contracts out with uh, private vendors, but they don't have a lot of business right now. And uh, the recycled material in the city of Atlanta goes to a facility in Conyers, Georgia, outside the city, 
but glass is not considered recycling recyclable for the city of Atlanta. So you have you have 75% of the waste that is collected for recycling and glass, it ends up into a landfill, and the landfill is located mostly outside the city limits. And by the way, I just want to say hats off. I don't know a lot about this person, but your District 1 Councilwoman, Carla Smith, has been fighting, has been trying to get the city to provide this information and be more transparent. Personally, I'd like to see your current mayor, mayor, Keisha Lance Bottoms, do a lot more. And now she's been mayor now for two years. And usually I'm, I, I cut people slack, but she hasn't really done enough. She hasn't changed it. And I'd, I'd just like to uh, challenge her to do a better job in promoting transparency and encouraging recycling and better green behaviors for Atlanta, because I, I just don't see enough of it from her. But, you know, I mentioned Kasim Reed before, and if you remember back in 2018, you had some nice comments about him. His final time as mayor, final few days. <laughs> and I agree with you, and I'm glad. Remember, he had the airport was messed up. The, the escalators, you couldn't ride the escalators. It was uh, the Atlanta airport, Hartsfield was subject. It could have been having a, a terrorist attack. A lot of people could have died because the same time this was going on, there were airports around the world where terrorists would go in with AK-47s and gun people down at the airport because the escalators weren't working, the lights were turned off, and then they made surprise. I mean, Atlanta was very lucky it didn't suffer from this two years ago. But I'm just saying these are conditions that could happen, and a lot of people, whether there's waste involved or not, where a lot of people could die because the city officials just didn't care, or I mean, I don't know what else to call it. And they don't have a public service calling, which is, it might have been a question, I, uh, I think a good public servant has a public service calling, and a lot of these public officials, they don't have it in them. And I could go on and on about that. <laughs> but what, what do you think, Steve? I mean, really, could it be tied to the money? Because... It, it might be so that the amount of money the city really gets for recycling some Ooh. materials, it's not as much mm -hmm. as it used to be, though. Oh, you know, it's funny. You made me think of something, and I wrote this down earlier. One of your biggest headquarters, biggest corporations is Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola is also a member of the American Beverage Association. They are on record. They are against recycling. They are against having um, products placed into recyclable materials because they claim that it would, it, would, it would increase their labor cost and the materials cost. So I hate to say this, but Coca-Cola and Pepsi, 7-Up, Dr. Pepper, these are companies that are against uh, what I could consider green behaviors. They may claim that they support green behaviors. But if you look at their influence on state legislatures and members of Congress, they've done just the opposite. They've said no. There's no national uh, program to encourage waste reduction or recycling in the United States. We, we don't have a policy. And you can thank these beverage companies, uh, plastic bag manufacturers and the like. They all have lobbyists on K Street in Washington, D.C. And by the way, my most recent employers are on K Street. I, I did some legal services work, 
and that's been put on hold because of the virus. The work has to be done in-house with paper documents, and I've become very good at uh, It's something I do to make extra money, and I get good pay for it. And Washington is a very expensive town, of course, as Atlanta. Um, uh, but anyway, you have these large corporations, and just like the public officials, they're anti good green behaviors, or at least they'll, they, in, 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 in the reality, they are. And so they're, they may be in cahoots with the public officials. And my, my instincts are Coca-Cola has influenced members of Atlanta City Council and the city, city councils of various other cities to not encourage recycling, to not, uh, inc- they want people to buy products but then throw them willy-nilly anywhere, just toss them and then not pick them up. And yet they, one thing they don't realize is this, this anti-green tossing behavior, it can injure and kill people. And then, but then they're going to argue, well, you can't sue me about it because we, we said to people, well, we don't encourage it, and yet they do encourage it. So, <laughs> and yes, they're in it for the money. It's all about money. And it's sad that money and power is uh, assisting in taking people's lives. And we also live in a very materialistic society. And materialism implies um, generating a lot of waste. We buy stuff we don't need and we throw it away. And that creates waste. And then when that's not properly uh, disposed of, that piles up and up and up. And so you've got more of a waste problem. So these are all interconnected. And, again, that's just how I see it. But uh, the city officials and big corporations such as Coca-Cola, Pepsi, et cetera, they're in cahoots with cities and even state governments, uh, and they're, cause, they're causing a lot of waste disposal problems in the United States. And then a final comment, you know, I mentioned Pratt Recycling. That's a small company in Atlanta. But there's this huge company, and I'm sure they have tentacles in Atlanta. They're known as uh, Waste Management. They're the largest waste disposal company in the United States, and they're, they're, they are pro-landfill. They believe everything needs to be landfilled. And they have, they have com- complete control of certain cities that are going to be part of the dirty cities list, such as Houston. They have control over the city of Philadelphia. Uh, they have control over the city of Indianapolis. Uh, they have control over the people of Memphis and also New Orleans and, to a lesser extent, Miami. They have control over these cities, and these cities have terrible little to no recycling rates. They want everything landfilled. Uh, and so the cities are under pressure from the public to increase recycling but they don't want to publish the rate, or instead they're not really encouraging recycling, and they're allowing these big companies that are anti-recycling to have big contracts to, uh, they, they claim they're going to recycle the stuff, but the stuff gets landfilled and it's filling up the landfills. And so I'm just saying I see a lot of, of uh, uh, disingenuous behaviors going on, and a lot, I see a lot of hypocrisy too. Coming year. You know, the city of Atlanta was moving forward on Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms' plan to actually establish the office of uh, Inspector General as a way to restore our trust. Uh, but that eroded 
um, come about, it, it eroded because of a federal corruption scandal, I think, that was tied to uh, Mayor Kasim Reed's administration. And I did. I liked Mayor Kasim Reed. I did, but with the fact I had to get laid off at the airport, I was like, I'm done. I'm done with you, Mayor Kasim Reed, and I'm going to still say that I'm done with you <laughs> when I got laid off. And I couldn't get another job at the airport. Yeah, because all, all the concessions were shut down. Like, what in the world are you doing? But I think it's um most importantly, like saying, going forward for the rest of the year, we got to restore the trust of Atlanta. We need to restore the trust of all the states and cities. Like, what are the big guys going to do with all this waste and litter? But um, speaking mm-hmm. of that, Steve, what are some of your perspectives on strengths, weaknesses of a particular um, candidate running for president, state governor, oh, yeah. city mayor that us voters might not readily know already? Yeah, and thank you because, you know, that's one of my <laughs> – even before I started researching this topic over 15 years ago, this was always on my mind since childhood – because I was influenced, you know, I'm part of the old 60s generation of, uh, of uh, JFK, who's still I adopt. And by the way, you know that his, uh, his brother's grandchildren, one of them and their daughter, just drowned in Maryland uh, in the last oh, week. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy, you knew that, right? I sure did not know. I did not know that. Yeah, uh, they were looking for a, a, the, the, the lieutenant governor of Maryland. The former, her name was Kathleen Townsend Kennedy, or Kath, and she was the daughter of Robert Kennedy, who was killed back in June of uh, 1968. Well, his, 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 uh, his daughter's daughter, um, I'm trying to recollect, recollect her first name. There was, uh, they had a house in Annapolis, Maryland, near the Chesapeake Bay, and they, had, they were playing ball. Uh, near, near is a waterfront house in front of this bay, and the water, the ball goes into the water in 25 feet of water, and they were looking for this ball, and the little, the little raft that they were in capsized, and it took about two days to find their bodies, but their bodies were found, and it's unfortunate because there's this thing since, uh, my God, I guess since the 1940s, this legacy of the Kennedy tragedy. And so we have two more victims of this Kennedy legacy. If you're connected to the Kennedy family, you tend to – there's this demise factor, and people are so interested in it. And, yes, yes, it did happen, and it's, um, it's kind of tragic, obviously. But, yes, they, they, um, they drowned in 25 feet of water. And um, I also wish to say – so that Mr. Kennedy, the president, was a role model – I admire Lyndon Baines Johnson as a president because he passed the Civil Rights Act. He did a lot of good things, of course, not, but I think what I wish to say is that these were people, along with maybe certain governors and maybe an occasional mayor out there in the United States, they, you could argue they did make money. They might have got a buck or two here, but I think they had a public service calling. And President Woodrow Wilson, who was the father of public administration, and also he was running the United States when we had that waste pandemic, the Spanish flu back in uh, 1918. He wrote some virtues about being a good public servant. And one thing is that 
you're helping others just like a doctor or nurse. There's the Hippocratic Oath, you do home, no harm to no one. And so a good public servant has those values. I got that from my mother who taught public health nursing, and she's still around. She's about to turn 87, so God bless my mom, Tina. And, uh, and also that um, so there's a, to be selfless to others. It's about doing a, a task and not worried about being paid for it. It's, 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 it's doing the right thing for a great group, group of people. So I think a good public servant has that. And uh, unfortunately, I will say this, there's more to the negatives of a lot of people in public service than the positives. For example, run people uh, that some people in public service that run for a public uh, elected official job, they want the power behind the job, and then maybe they want the compensation behind it. But when you, and again, it's not for me to say, you know, everybody has individual uh, results, but it, to me, um, I could say this public official, they're in there for the money or they're in there for the power. They want to be reelected. And then when you ask them to do something, they'll come up with a statement to um, whitewash the situation like, well, we're kind of doing something and don't, don't you worry. And yet maybe behind all that, nothing is being done. The needs of the public are not being met. And I, and I want to make this blunt statement. A lot of people in business, for example, our current president, he had zero government experience. He was exposed to governments in New York um, that uh, he had to file permits and real estate licenses and practices that was mandated by New York City and New York State government. He was never a, a government official. He was never on a public payroll. He was a, pri he was a private servant. And I think to be a good public servant, you can't be a private servant. There's just too many private servants in the public arena right now, way too many, and things can't get done. And the other thing is, if you're in the private sector, you're paid, you're paid, you know, you're paid with money. Your, your job is to make a profit and to answer to stockholders or your customer. And if you're not a paying customer, you don't get the service, you don't get the good. Whereas in the public arena, in the government arena, everybody is a customer. Whether you pay taxes or not, you're entitled by law to that service. And you're entitled to a minimal service delivery or, or, or a, a, a recipient. And a lot of these business people, they look at people that are entitled by law and say, no, you shouldn't get it. And yet they are, and I, I just have an issue with people like that. They're not. Those kind of people that can't deliver uh, by law your, offer, your, your, uh, your entitlement to a certain good that you pay taxes for, because we all have to pay taxes, and whether you pay taxes or not, you're still entitled to a certain service, like fire and police. We don't go out and pay a police officer, well, pick up this criminal. We don't pay people off. We pay taxes to have that done. But if, if the business center sector gets their way, we'd have to pay off a police officer. We would have to pay a firefighter to, take, uh, to, uh, to um, get rid of the flames on a house. Imagine that. If you're a poor person and you had to pay people to, to stop a fire or to catch a criminal, I mean, it's kind of disgusting. 
but thankfully we haven't gone down that road yet. But we have public public officials. Uh, they want to privatize everything. I fear the privatization of the public sector. I think the public sector, its original intent is good, and we need to find people that will respect the the original intent and goals of the public sector, and we need to somehow like each other and respect each other and not um, discriminate on who gets a public service. I mean, I mean, um, the the customer of a public service deserves no discrimination um, because they're not they're not buying a good or service that requires a payment of money to make a profit. Well, Keith, I'm so glad you elaborated us on that information. I'm hoping somebody take heed to that. That's why I said make sure you guys are sharing the replay because this is very concerning. We don't think of it as being concerning. We think, okay, the coronavirus, now we're knowing, okay, the weight, the litter, all that is tied into what's actually going on. So, people, just be mindful. Be clean. Practice your social distancing. I know it's very hard, but you have to be productive and proactive while you're in the house, find something to do, re-exercise, do whatever to pass the time. Just don't go crazy. But, Steve, I appreciate you so much for being here. You always come, and you bring great information for us. And I just can't say enough more. Like, I really do appreciate you for everything that you have done for us, educating us. I'd like to be the people's friend. I don't want to have no enemies. And by the way, I my heart is out for the people because the, a lot of people are just not reviewed as the little people that, that want justice. I seek justice for those people, but I can only do directly, I can do so much. So this is my way of getting back to the people. And then uh, my some of my comments today were philosophical. But I got to thank my professors and good people that helped shade and mold me in my life. And then one last thing I want to say about public servants. You have a lot of elected officials. They have misdemeanors or felonies, and they get elected. And people that are misdemeanor felony people, they are not my role models. People that are hung up on getting a dollar bill to get something, uh, they're not my role models. I have no use for those kind of people. We have a surplus of those kind of people in our world today, and I'd like to see a reduction of that surplus of people with those kind of attitudes or those kind of credentials. And, uh, and my final comment is, everybody, you can follow me on Facebook. I have a Facebook page, American State Litter Scorecard, and then on Twitter, at Litter Scorecard. So at Litter Scorecard on Twitter, and you got my Facebook page, and... I, I appreciate followers, and also check out my, um, I hope the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, they'll publish my uh, press release in the next week or two on this, the 15 dirty cities. But I, I think Atlanta will be one of them, and I'll tell you more in the press release as it comes out, and I'll definitely send you a copy for you. Thanks, Steve. I appreciate that. I'll be looking out for that most definitely. Before we leave, you. I want to just give the truth of the day. This is from my friend, and she was also a former guest on my show, Mary Ellen Signovich. Release the fear of making wrong choices. When you create a decisive mindset, you will make progress on all your immediate goals. Make sure you also look at your bigger picture. 
choose to see decisions as exciting opportunities, a way to explore a new path. Fear of making wrong choices that there are no wrong choices, just, just stepping stones to learning. Every decision made leads you to explore new opportunities. Every part of your life is rewarding and valuable when you perceive it correctly. Today, correct all misperceptions, allowing your fear of making wrong choices to fall away. Enjoy the day, everyone, and make sure that you're practicing safe social distancing. Just stay at home. Don't go out if you don't necessarily have to. I'll see you soon on the next Bright Side with Technician. Thanks for listening to The Bright Side with Technicia. If you like what you heard, tell your dad, mother, cousin, uncle, whomever. Be sure to check out the archive section at www.brightsidewithtk.com. 